What kind of clothes do you wear to church? I've got you wondering what this episode is about, don't I? We'll start thinking about how you wear your gender while you listen to some of Jacob's music for Dunker Punks. I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. Be violent, don't wanna have a vendetta, don't wanna be vengeful, no. I don't wanna be a soldier, don't wanna be militaristic, don't wanna help that cycle, I just wanna be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't want to burn petrol, don't want to eat perfect fruit, don't want to feel guilty, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I want to be authentic, I want to be radical, I want to be optimistic, honest, beautiful, I want to be humble, I want to be progressive, I want to be open, I'm inspiration, I want to be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao, I want to be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Dillon, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, Jesus Christ, but mostly, I just want to be me. I just want to be me. Welcome, friends. I'm Nancy Fitzgerald, one of the hosts of the Dunker Punk Podcast. Today you will hear from Dylan Delharo a Church of the Brethren minister who is active in work for peace and justice, and he presents a second episode on gender. Dylan brings us some wonderful interviews and personal stories that will help us open our eyes to the diversity in our world that God has created. Being a Star Trek fan, I like to recall the Vulcan proverb, infinite diversity in infinite combination, a reminder that we draw our strength and joy from the diversity around us. All of it is God's creation. I invite you to listen. It's easy to overlook stories that challenge what we think is true or beautiful. There is a story in the Bible which I never knew existed until recently. And I think Megan Rammer describes it best in her paper, Fashioned in Love. When Jesus sends the disciples into Jerusalem to prepare the Passover feast, 
which will be their last supper together, he instructs them to look for a man carrying a jar of water. This can be found in Mark 14 or Luke 22. And because the cultural gap that exists between the text and us, we miss what ancient readers would never miss. Carrying water in jars was strictly women's work. It would have been socially improper for a man to do so. Some commentators have said this is the equivalent in our times of Jesus instructing the disciples to look for a man wearing lipstick and a skirt. While it would be anachronistic to suggest this man may have been queer identified, he was certainly transgressing a strict gendered boundary in his behavior. Some have posited that indeed the ancient version of queer space in ancient Jerusalem would have provided the safest place for Jesus and his band of troublemaking radicals, since the boundary transgressors would be well practiced in evading the attention of religious and political authorities. End quote. The Last Supper was the First Communion, and a person who transcends gender was there before the disciples arrive. This person was an indication of the place where Jesus would proclaim the New Covenant. Have you ever heard this story before? At first I debated on whether or not I should say anything in this episode. I think the voices you're about to hear speak for themselves. But it's only polite to introduce my friends to you. and. I'll briefly explain how the audio is organized. One of the voices you will hear belongs to Jonathan Bay. I got to know Jonathan at a young adult conference, and of course, other churchy events. In fact, we did his interview in North Carolina, of all places, during this year's annual conference. The other voice you will hear belongs to Stephanie Mott. She and I met when we were speaking at the same event in Topeka, Kansas. I admire her unshakable spirituality and her strong foundation in scripture. Her recording was taken in her church in Topeka. Most of what you'll hear is taken from these two separate interviews. There's also a smattering of extra thoughts on gender sprinkled in the mix from other authors and organizations. I implore you to listen carefully for God to speak to you in a new story. So, without further ado, Gender Episode 2. Alright, I'm excited about what Dunker Punks are doing. I think it's it's interesting, and this is this is an accessible way for the church to kind of learn what other people believe in the church. Because, I, like the first gender podcast, I was I was happy to hear how diverse people's answers were, and surprised. I think I just like I have prejudices too <laughs> and assumptions, and I just assume that. You know, all cisgender people are going to say the same thing, and that's not true, which is delightful, actually. It's good. It's heartwarming. Okay. I'm Jonathan Bay, um, and I currently work 
for Women's Caucus and Progressive Brethren and uh, live abroad in Scotland doing a PhD. Um, and yeah, I think that's all you need to know about me. Okay, well, my name is Stephanie Mott and I'm a transgender woman. I live in Topeka, Kansas. Um, the founder and director of, of the Transgender Faith Tour where I travel around and share my journey as a transgender woman of faith. And I'm also the director of the Kansas Statewide Transgender Education Project. I am female. Um, and actually I've thought a great deal about that. That doesn't make that an easier question to answer. It means, to me, it means I get to be who I am today. It means that I don't have to pretend to be hard. I don't have to, I don't have to take on this masculine attitude in order to walk through the world and be seen as who I'm supposed to be. That I, I get to be soft, I get to be compassionate, I get to have feelings and, and express them openly. And I get to I get to just embrace my authenticity in a way that was never possible before. I mean, yeah, that's kind of I mean it's what it is. That that it, it mean to me it, it's this oh, I don't have to pretend to be a man anymore. And, and as a transgender woman, I spent many, many years pretending to be a man. And I don't have to do that anymore. It's been nine years since I had to do that. And, and my life is completely different. It's the difference between night and day. Well, um, I identify as a trans man, um, which I think is constantly evolving as well. Um, so it means that I was born female, assigned, and I decided or figured out that that wasn't really what sat well with me. I was pretty uncomfortable in that bodily experience of being female in the world and decided to transition to male. And But I don't, I don't feel like it's it's you come out, you do a medical transition, and then you're done. I think that mm. it's, it's an ever-evolving process. But I, I think that would probably be true even if you were cisgendered, which means that you're, the, you're born the way that you identify as well. I, I think that gender is it's a complicated and complex process. We don't have, we don't have the right words to define a lot of these things and we're still coming up with new words about gender. Gender refers to the attitudes, feelings, and behaviors that a given culture associates with a person's biological sex. Behavior that is compatible with cultural expectations is referred to as gender normative. Behaviors that are viewed as incompatible with these expectations constitute gender nonconformity. The American Psychological Association. Biology is a component, um, and then what you choose to do to your biology, I would say, is also a component. Mm. Um, because not all trans people choose to transition the same way. So I chose to medically transition by using hormones, and I had a gender reassignment surgery. Not everybody does that. And the way that you live into that gender into your body in that gender is different for everyone. And I, the way that I wanted to transition when I first started transitioning is not the way that 
I would now if mm. I got to do it over, I think. I think first off, we have to get away from the binary. We have to get away from the idea that there are just one way, two ways to be human, male and female. And if, if as long as we're stuck in that binary where there's only two ways to be human, then it puts that construct of gender into the into these boxes that don't really fit the people who are forced to occupy those boxes. Mm. Any people, not just transgender people, but all people, very few people would actually fit exactly in those boxes where every aspect of them fit in, in either the male box or the female box. We have to understand that there are so many different aspects of who people are and that we have such great diversity among all of every other aspect of who people are that it totally makes sense that we would have diversity in the aspect of gender. And so it becomes actually, if you don't put labels on it, it just it becomes an expression of who you are and it kind of fits in a spectrum somewhere, but it doesn't it doesn't limit it to existing within that spectrum at any point in time. That it can it can move anywhere, it can be anywhere. Um and and it happens daily. It happens daily for every person. That there are times there are times when a woman feels like wearing jeans and there's time when the same woman feels like wearing a skirt. And that doesn't make her more or less of a woman. And that just means that she's in one place at one moment and she's in another place at another moment. And if you take that scale and, and move it instead of somewhere there near the box of fem female and move it somewhere closer to the middle, then you can actually get a, that same scale, exactly the same idea that some people might sometimes identify more as masculine and sometimes identify, mm. identify more as feminine and, and want to need to express themselves more in a in either masculine way or a feminine way from one day to another. It's nebulous because it's socially constructed and it's self-constructed and it's, it's part of your environment. Like, your male is different than my male is different than my parents, like my dad's male and all of those are still male. One percent of people are intersex, meaning one out of every 100 people have a body that differs from standard male or female body. People who are intersex may have unique chromosomes and or hormones and or sex organs that curb the prevailing gender binary construct. Statistic from Intersex Society of North America. God created all of this and, and in my opinion, that for me to for me to imagine that God didn't know what God was doing when God created me would be a strange way for me to look at that. The the idea that people will come up to me and ask me, "Do you think God made a mistake?" And I'm like, "No, I don't." Do you think that God made a mistake? Because here I am, and God created me as I am. And what part of me, you know, I mean, how do I see myself as a mistake? And, and I did for a very long time. I did for a very long time. Not really a mistake, but my inability to be the person that I thought I was supposed to be. And I couldn't be that person because it wasn't who I was. So it took me a while, but I got to this place where I understood finally that, that no, 
this is what God wants me to do. God wants me to live authentically, to be the human being I was created as. And um, again, you look at all the diversity in, in the world, in the universe, and, and in human beings, and, and the creation of God, and, and wonder how we could have all this diversity in other forms of creation. We wouldn't have that kind of diversity in that one tiny spectrum of gender when it, when it, when mm. it comes to all of the universe where all this diversity is just accepted as a matter of course, but we put it in the realm of gender and then we struggle with the idea that that diversity exists. I personally consider God to be a 7.8 billion piece jigsaw puzzle. Mm. And that every person on the planet is one of the pieces of, of that jigsaw puzzle. And when we treat everybody with equity, then that then we'll see the picture that we can't see today. But but also the experience of transitioning is really powerful. You're living into yourself. Mm-hmm. You're saying that God created you as you are and and letting that be good. Well, I mean, for the first 48 years of my life, faith was, was this barrier to authenticity, me being able to, to live in my gender authentically as a woman, uh, because I saw my duty was to fit in this mailbox that I didn't fit into. And I spent most of that first 48 years trying to figure out how to do that. And that was a lot faith-based because I thought that's what God wanted me to do. And But then when I was brought into a church, into the life of the church as a transgender woman, and I began to understand that God was not just okay with me being transgender, but that I actually had purpose to fulfill God's mission as a transgender woman, mm-hmm. then that completely changed. And, and to recognize that, that there's so much language in our world today that says you can't be gay, you can't be transgender, and still be a Christian, or can't, and still have a relationship with Jesus, or have a relationship with God. And... What I, what I found out is, is I can't really have a relationship with God unless I exist in the way that I was created by God. So this attempt to be male was actually creating a conflict with God and that I was only able to begin to come into harmony with God when I stopped pretending to be someone God didn't create and started being the person God created. I was not ladylike, nor was I manly. I was something else altogether. There were so many different ways to be beautiful. Michael Cunningham, A Home at the End of the World. powerful things that I've experienced is um, this trans playwright Joe Clifford rewrote or 
she wrote this play called Jesus Queen of Heaven and it's basically a retelling of Jesus's life as if he was a woman or a uh -huh. trans woman instead which I mean that's that's quite a challenging thing to experience if <laughs> if you don't agree with any of this in the first place but it's I, I think what's interesting is that we can retell these stories in different ways and think about how gender affects them and how that affects the story and how that either empowers us or doesn't because I would like to believe God isn't of a single gender, um, right? So being able to, to swap things around and play with that, I think is healthy, is a good way to think about it, is a way to experience God. I think we can experience God through gender Well, I, I think it starts with that, the God created everyone and everything, and so therefore everyone is created by God, so part of God is in everyone. So then you put everyone together, you get some, not complete, because obviously that's too, way too simplified, but some manifestation of, of what God represents, or, or different pieces of God and, and different people from around the world. Um, there are really two basic concepts. One is, the first one is that, that I, there is no real possibility for me to understand who and what God is ever in my lifetime. Um, I'm a human being and God is God and, and, and for me to, to think that I can wrap my head around who and what God is, is, um, is, is just not going to happen. And, and um, I can spend as much time trying to do that as I want and I can spend as much time trying to figure out what it is that God wants me to do, as opposed to spending a lot of time trying to wrap my head around who and what God is. And so to me, that's probably the more important piece of that, that discussion. The other, the other thing, the other thing is the idea of limiting the creator of the universe to these earthly limitations of gender that that bedazzles me quite frankly it it is like god creates everything you know that that it's it's all everything everyone is is from god and by the way we're gonna hang some limitations on god we're gonna say god has to be male or has to be female has to have a gender at all we're going to say God is vengeful. We're going to say God is angry. We're going to say God is jealous. We're going to say all these things. And I think what we do when we do that is instead is that we try to make God more like us instead of trying to, to aspire to become more like God. Because and, and, I, I just don't see taking the creator of the universe and saying, oh, and you're limited to these emotions and, you, you know, these clothes <laughs> and, and this expression and this gender. Um, but I also, I also believe wholeheartedly that this division of male and female into... Uh, more godlike because I'm male versus less godlike because I'm female. 
is is highly destructive to to the potential for the planet to live in God's light. Last night I was seriously considering whether I was bisexual or not. But I don't think so. Thought I'm not sure if I'd like to be one. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you like a person, you like the person, not their gen gen genitals. Genitals? Yeah, genitals. Genitals? Genitals? Mm-hmm. Genitals. Okay. We were having so much fun saying genitals that we forgot to say that quote is from Jesse Scott, tongue-tied. Well, okay, I think what, to me, what has been really important is carving out time for myself to figure out what kind of a man mm. I really wanted to be. And I don't think we, we don't really have like a rite of passage thing. Um, where you get to be on your own. So I, I think the Church of the Brethren is really interesting because, and I've, I've taken some masculinity studies classes, the way that men act in the Church of the Brethren is different than the way that most men act in the world. There's a quietness and self-assuredness it, it's not about, like a lot of being male is about competition, mm -hmm. or at least a lot of the interactions between men are about competition and showing each other up. To me, that has never happened in a brethren context. It only happens outside of it. Yeah, but I don't think that's a bad thing because I, I think that it's actually a stronger maleness. Like, it's self-assured, so it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like you're challenged in yourself and therefore acting out in ways that aren't productive. This is an overgeneralization, for sure. Um, and perhaps, you know, it depends on what circles you're looking at. But for the most part, the tenets we have as a church to listen to one another um, and to be in community with one another, that challenges typical American maleness in a good way. Well, I took my time in BBS to figure out how I wanted to be male, which is, which is why I think that um, it's interconnected. I've, I've looked at strong male figures in my family, which is not brethren, and in my spouse's family, which is brethren, and then in other brethren people and other queer people and I've, I've kind of cobbled together, okay, this is how I'm going to be male in the world. And I'm okay with that. And I'm, I'm just gonna own it. And, it, and it's okay if, if you wanna change aspects of that along the way, I think. People changed lots of other personal things all the time. They dyed their hair and dyed themselves to near death. They took steroids to build muscles and got breast implants and nose jobs so they'd resemble their favorite movie stars. They changed names and majors and jobs and husbands and wives. They changed religions and political parties. They moved across the country or the world, even changed nationalities. Why was gender the one sacred thing we weren't supposed to change? Who made that rule? Ellen Whitlinger, Parrotfish.
I didn't yeah. think of when I was coming out as choosing anything. It felt like living into who I actually was. Mm-hmm. However, I'm choosing how to be male, which is different than actually choosing a gender. The better answer is that some people do choose and some people own that choice. That's okay too. I don't I don't think it's one or the other. So sometimes it, it is reasonable to make that choice and sometimes it's reasonable to to own that you don't feel like you're choosing. Um, I don't really like the rhetoric of trapped in the wrong body for trans mm. uh, explanations because I, I mean I've been reading some pretty heavy theory about it <laughs> but the best way I can explain it is that 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 that's a metaphor that's not an actuality but it's been turned into one so so that this metaphor for it's not maybe the best metaphor but it's a way to describe something sure is now being thought of as reality for trans people and I, and I think that that is also caught up in this nature versus choice as well. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.28 I'm, 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 I'm considering myself to be a feminist in the idea that I believe that all people should be treated equally. And I'm, I think that's still unfortunately a very important part of feminism, and that, that women make less for the same kind of work, that, that women are, are taught from the beginning that um, they, can't, they have to dress in a particular way so not to tempt men and, and a variety of other things that are fairly obvious if you look at them carefully. Um, we are taught from from birth that you you do this if you're female and you do this if you're male. You wear these colors if you're female and you wear don't wear these colors if you're male. And you know, and I was raised in the 1960s, but I was taught to believe I could do anything. And my sister was taught that that she didn't need to learn math because she was just going to grow up to be a housewife mm. at the very same time. And although I don't think it's quite that obvious anymore i think it's still present you know in the things that we tell people about what they can and can't do and science definitely bears that out there are a lot of studies that show that little girls are being told to behave and little boys are being allowed to act out and which creates this power structure even in in kindergarten mm-hmm. where, where people don't have the where little girls are all of a sudden said no you don't get the same ability to to do things the same way that boys do it's kind of sad i personally believe that gender equality underlines every other equality and certainly the issue of sexuality for instance if we didn't distinguish between gender in terms of giving different genders disparate values and attributes what problem would we have with two men loving each other by Abigail Tartelin. So, I like to think of it as a galaxy, which is more complex than typically people think of it as a spectrum, where you have 
male on one end and female on the other, and there's a, sort of a gradient. And that's fairly accurate. But you can expand that a bit more to a three-dimensional space, which is kind of difficult to explain. It's all, it's all really about how you identify. It's, it's not... I mean, we take on what the world tells us and what our families tell us and what um, the government is telling us and media, right? But at the end of the day, it's how you think of yourself. You're really the only person that can decide that. There's a tendency, I think, to get panicked about what is male and am I male enough? And yeah, you are. If, if you think you are, you are. If you're worried about that, then figure out why you're worried about that. Gender is not what culture created out of my body's sex. Rather, sex is what culture makes when it genders my body. Ricky Wilkins. Um... Well, the Christian, the Christian religion, um, to me, is, is defined by the words and example of Jesus. And the words and the example of Jesus were very inclusive, very much about bringing everybody to the table, giving everybody an opportunity, and, and focusing on those people who are marginalized and oppressed, and giving voice to those people, giving voice to women, and giving giving voice to anybody who's marginalized and oppressed and, and, and value human worth to them that oftentimes has not been there for, for people then and for people now that are different than, than the, those people who fall in the middle of the bell curve. Which to me that that means love your neighbor, you know, love God, love your neighbor, and and actually, you know, in that passage in the Bible it says, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and the second commandment, which is equally great, is love your neighbor as yourself. That goes on to say, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments, and which basically says everything comes from that. To me, that's what that says, mm. and and it's like everything comes from this, and and so anything outside of that realm is is to me is not part of what I strive to uh, to how I strive to live as a as a Christian woman. Mm. I I think the church is evolving, and and I think in every denomination that the church is evolving, as days go by, more and more uh, denominations become inclusive. Um, or at least partially inclusive, and we just recently saw the first openly gay bishop elected in the Western Conference, the United Methodist Church. Mm. Breaking news that, that that happened yesterday, and and so you can see this motion, and it's been happening, you know, in 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 different denominations for a long time. It's just a gradual, a gradual, a gradual move towards equity, towards equality, and then recognizing that all people have value but the there are so many there's so many things we still have churches that, that don't see women as as capable of being pastors or capable of leading the church and 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 so there it's still slow it's still there's progress there because there's a resistance to that and I think there'll always be resistance to inequity and there should be resistance to inequity. 
um, I think it's different today than it might have been 15 years ago or 20 years ago because of the advent of the, of the internet and the spreading of the internet and that people were able to find other people with like opinions mm. and, and if people come together in, in unity around a cause, then I think it gives them strength. So you see more people standing up to what they see as inequity. So I go to, I mean, I live abroad. I go to a different church that's not Church of the Brethren. And we have quite a strong trans um, membership yeah. and leadership. And um, we talk about how being trans should be celebrated because it's a different experience of the divine, right? You, you've gotten to experience two different genders and they are I, I do think that they're different because I experienced the world very differently female as I did as I did male mm-hmm. and I've, I've lost the ability to make some connections uh. um, and I'm I've worked on like training that back Outsiders who would follow God should not say, God will surely exclude me from this people. Nor should the eunuch say, I am just a dried up tree. For thus says the Almighty to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose that which pleases me, and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than daughters and sons. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Isaiah 56, verses three through story of the eunuch is, I think, that's like the trans text. I mean, we have this rhetoric of saying no to people, and Paul baptizes the eunuch, right? That's not saying no. I, I think, I don't know, I think that's clear. It's, it's very clear. Why are we saying no? I spend a lot more time in the New Testament, and was my my thought is to, that as a Christian woman that I'm called to follow the teachings and example of Jesus. In the story of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, 31 to 46, I think, and it is that story of, of the coming of the kingdom, and and, the, and you know all the nations are gathered before him. And, and, and he's separating the people like a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats and putting the sheep on the right and the goats on the left and then he turns to the right and he says to those people, you know, the, the very well-known speech about if I'm, you know, you fed me when I was hungry and you gave me drink when I was thirsty and, and you welcomed me as a stranger and you clothed me when I was naked and you visited me when I was imprisoned and you cared for me when I was sick. And because you did these things for me, then eternal life is, is granted to, to you. you know, 
The kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the earth is, is what it says in the Bible. And then Jesus turns to the left and says, you didn't do these things. And so to me, first that's the first thing, is, is ruling out the idea that the eternal life is dependent upon whether or not that I fit into some human created boxes that that uh, Jesus doesn't say in that this is how you go to heaven, this is how you don't and and there is no mention of sexuality or gender identity or anything in those verses. It's about how do you treat your fellow human being, how do you treat my children? You know, God is far more worried about how do you treat my children than God is about whether or not I wear a dress, I would think. And, and I hope so. And so I think that, that you know, first the first step in that process for me as a transgender person is to rule out the idea that there's something wrong with me being transgender. The second step in that process, and I don't know that, but it comes from the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount when, when after the Beatitudes and after the you are the salt of the earth and it's the you are the light of the world. And, and it's basically the idea is that just let your shine, light shine so people can see it. And, and that they will see the things that you're doing and they will praise your God. They will praise your creator in heaven. And that's, to me, that's it. That's, that's the validation. It's, it's, it's not really anything else. It's like, what lets your light shine? And for 48 years, I, I couldn't stay sober. I couldn't exist in the world. And for the last 10 years, my light has shined. And, and I know it shines. I can feel it. I can see it. And people can see it. And, and I know it shines. And, and so there's Jesus saying, let your light shine so people can see it. So for me, to pretend to be somebody who wasn't me is, is not doing that. To live my life authentically is allowing my light to shine. Is your light shining? Especially as the words and experiences of Stephanie and Jonathan have been shared with us. I wonder how often my light has been too dim to help shed light on their paths. As Dunker Punks, we too believe that Christianity is living the way Jesus lived and following the teachings of Jesus. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses the hopeless, those who mourn, the humble, those who seek justice and are thirsty for righteousness. Were these not the marginalized of his day? And he told them they were blessed, blessed the way they were as mourners and seekers of hope. Jesus saw each child of God as just that, another child, a sibling of his, since the Bible refers to him as son of God. What better place for us to take our Jesus following than to see people as people, those who the world labels as different because they don't fit the either male or female dichotomy of humans' limited vision, are our siblings. Thankfully, humanity has begun to see diversity in gender and race and culture for the valuable part of creation that each one is. What can we do to help open eyes to the gift of diversity? I am blessed to minister among very open people, yet there will always be something or someone who challenges me to open my eyes wider. 
Right now, I'm beginning by seeking language that doesn't limit humanity to the either-or. Since I'm working in a denomination where we call each other sister and brother, well, I realize that too can be limiting. For those who are able to choose, as you just heard, it is fine to be called by the gender you know you are created to be. Yet for those who live in between, how can my language include them as siblings in Christ without the gender identifier? I have a lot to learn. I am most grateful for the heart sharing of Jonathan and Stephanie, just listening to them speak of their faith and their assurance of God's great creative diversity and love reminds me that I dare not make my God too small. Blessed are people whose lives are harassed because they are righteous, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs, Jesus said. Whether you are someone who has been harassed for who you are or for who you love, or if you are someone who has harassed or caused pain, you are welcome into the family of God to listen to learn, and to grow along with other siblings. There is a place for all of us in God's family. That's why God created us as we are. Our challenge is to listen to Stephanie and Jonathan's voices again and again, and to others around us who have stories to tell. Listen, open our eyes, and receive the gift of God's created diversity that can only broaden our enjoyment of life and bring joy into the lives of those who were or are harassed. Will you pray with me? God of all, open our eyes and our hearts to see us as you see us. Give us the ability to love as you love. Help us to work for equality and justice so that all your children can live and be as you created us to be. We pray all this as followers of the Jesus way. Amen. Go into the world and share your story this week, Dunker Punks. Then tell others that this story is here to be heard. The Dunker Punk Podcast is created by a dozen contributors. Jacob Krause created our theme song and edited the show this week. I produced the show along with Suzanne Lay. Search for Dunker Punk's pod to find us on social media. Episode archives are on the show page at arlingtoncobb.org slash dpp. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating and comment to help others find the show. Or just send the show directly to a friend. Emmett returns next time to give us an update from the heart of dunkerpunks.com. For now, tell others that you're a Dunker Punk. Mm-hmm.